And so this morning, we're beginning this new series on the 23rd Psalm. Somebody said, are you really going to be able to do this for four weeks? I said, watch me. We're going we're gonna to do this together. And um, of all the scriptures we could turn to, this is probably the most well-known passage of not only the church, but even in the secular realm. Would you agree? Uh, I just want to take a moment. I want you to think about where you last heard Psalm 23. For some of us, it was, it was Friday, right? At the, at the funeral. The Lord is my shepherd. When you hear that phrase, what memory does that bring back to mind for you? Is it happy? Is it sad? It really doesn't matter, like I said, if you're Christian or not. We probably all but have this memorized, right? We, we see this play out in movies. We hear it just about in every genre of music. It's hanging on the walls of our entryway. This is not an unfamiliar word to us. In fact, just get this. Psalm 23 has made cameos in movies like Saving Private Ryan, Les Miserables, Titanic, Pale Rider, Full Metal Jacket. It's, it's been cherry-picked by artists like uh, Jay-Z, U2, Kanye West, Charlie Daniels Band, Pink Floyd, The Grateful Dead. Caveat, I'm not necessarily endorsing any of these people. <laughs> the secular realm knows this really well, right? After 9-11, Psalm 23 was one of the first words President Bush gave to the nation. As I said, you can't get through a funeral or a graveside without this being somewhere in the midst of the, the service. The Lord is my shepherd. It is a comforting word to us. But my claim this morning might shock you. My claim is that we've all heard the scripture quite wrong. It's been taken out of context. It's been abused and misused so many different ways that we've probably forgotten what it means in the first place. See, this is not a psalm that was meant as a comfort blanket for the world to feel better about itself. If you do not have Christ, I'm going to say this boldly, this psalm has nothing to do with you. This is a psalm specifically written for the, the shepherd and his flock. And so my aim for the next four weeks is to have us take a second look at this word and to ask God to show us what it is that we might be missing, maybe where we've misplaced these words as a, as a culture. And so I want to do this for the next four weeks. I want to invite you to read the psalm with me. We're going to read it aloud together and we're going to read it in its entirety every Sunday. But this morning, we're just going to focus on the first three verses. Can we do that? Just the first three verses. So I'm going to open up the Bible. We'll have it up on the screens. You can open up yours as well. Let's Let's read Psalm 23 um, in, its, in its entirety together. Let's read this. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. And I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. That's such a good word. Such a good word to us. You know, um, I shared up at Legacy. I said, you know, I've, I've been gone for seven weeks. I've read like 12 something books. I said, I don't really know. What, what am I supposed to do with all this information in my head? And I got specific permission from, you'll, you'll be happy, all of the other site to speak as long as I wanted to this morning. So <laughs> buckle up. When I think of King David writing this word, um, 
I can't help but think of how raw this really is. Right? David was literally a man who experienced um, some of the, the greatest wins, the deepest losses a man could actually walk through in this life. When you think about your own life, David could probably relate. If we just walk through his timeline, David fought off a giant that no one else would fight, right? Remember that, Goliath? He faced sabotage in scripture, really, that was unprecedented with King Saul. He fell flat on his face in temptation with Bathsheba, sinned against Uriah. He experienced the heart-wrenching pain of the death of his own child. Later, his own son, his other son betrayed him outright. Uh, David's life was an anxious life, right? It was, it was anything but a walk in the park. And yet this broken man along the way, along this path, he sits down and he recites this, this love letter of sorts, professing his faith in such a way that thousands of years later, there is something about this poem that everybody can grab onto. So let's just start at the top. Look at this in verse one. Let me ask you, who is your shepherd? I realize that sounds like a cliche question, so please don't give me the cliche Sunday school answer. Who is your shepherd? You know, at the beginning of uh, the sabbatical, Jen and I took the girls up to Kootenai National Forest. Anybody been there? Put that on your Montana bucket list. That was a pretty cool spot to be. But we ended up camping just for over a week in this spot that felt like the middle of nowhere. There's no cell phone reception. In fact, we were shocked. Most of the campground was like entirely empty. You just felt like you had like fallen off the map. And at first I really enjoyed being that far off the grid. You know the camp life, right? It, it feels refreshing to get away. But about halfway through the week, this, this radio silence had become deafening for me. Like I didn't realize just how accustomed to distraction I had become. Just think with me for a minute about all the voices you encounter in any single day. The amount of noise that we allow to enter our minds and have its heyday without any given filter. We are not used to sitting and, and waiting on the voice of our shepherd. Why is it that as soon as we get out of the campground and into cell service, we're, we begin gorging on the phone as though we're starved? As though we, we've been neglected? You know, we don't realize how addicted we are to the information overload. We listen to all sorts of voices. There's all kinds of shepherds leading us in our day. My mind was spinning and Jen knows me well. I remember she looked at me at one point and she goes, you need to shut it off. I was like, I don't know that I have a valve for that. The first line of this love letter of David's right out the gate. He brings the greatest confession of faith he can. He says, the Lord is my shepherd. Before the day even begins, he's the only voice I need. He's the only voice I'm going to follow. And when I'm with him, David says, that's more than enough for me. Just consider the, the implication of that. I mean, David, of all people, he knew firsthand what it was to be a shepherd, right? He was a shepherd of shepherds. Not only shepherded the, the flock as a young child, but then shepherded God's people. He knew exactly what a shepherd was, what they did, what it meant. And in his quiet time, this, this unique moment with God, David pins this humble confession. And note this, in this instance, he didn't call God king, though he was. He didn't call him almighty on high. He's certainly that too. No, he said, Yahweh, the Lord, is my shepherd. You know, we quickly forget, I think, as we 
We go on with our day that for those in Christ, right? We have this God who is the shepherd with us. Just get that picture in your mind, right? Of almighty God out in the field with each one of us, leading us, guiding us, speaking to us. And yet sheep, we're prone to wander, are we not? You know, the fun fact is you, you cannot have a shepherd without admitting you're a helpless sheep. So everybody just do it with me. Say, bah. bah. Oh, so you're good at that, don't right? the, the world reads this psalm as a security blanket, but the fact is this psalm only pertains to you if you have Jesus as the shepherd of your life. It's one of the most obvious metaphors in the Christian faith, right? And yet it brings about this introspective question. You say the Lord is your shepherd. If the Lord is your shepherd, that makes you one of his flock. How's your followership? Are you listening? We live in a world, as I said, that's chock full of them. Voices, shepherds that'll lead you wherever they can take you. In fact, the book of Ephesians tells us that most of us live under a different shepherd altogether, right? Paul calls him the, the ruler, the kingdom of this heir. To be a sheep is to be with the shepherd. It is to drown out all the voices of the day, to, to remain fixated on the one we're called to follow. And friends, this is not a part-time gig, right? It's not like you can be a sheep one day and then change back the other, follow this shepherd this day and then move back. It's not like we can, we can say, oh, I'll follow the shepherd when I need him or when I want to or when I feel like it. No, to be a sheep means that everything in my life, everything about me, every waking moment of my day now belongs to the good shepherd. Philip Keller wrote what I would say is probably one of the most formative commentaries on this psalm. You might have read some of his work. But Keller was a shepherd himself and he put his thoughts on paper through that lens. This is what he said about the psalm. He says, I recall quite clearly how in my first venture with sheep, the question of paying a price for the flock was so terribly important. They belonged to me only by the virtue of the fact that I had paid hard cash for them. See, the thing about sheep, right, is rarely do you find like a wild loner sheep out doing life on their own. A sheep by its very nature, it belongs to someone. It's been purchased. They're domesticated. Because if not, the sheep's not going to last real long, right? Like you name the predator, they're the prey. Sheep by God's design are not, not well without their leader. They're purchased every time they're owned. And so when David says, the Lord is my shepherd, what he's saying is, I'm helpless without it. God, you lead in my life. You're in control. It's crazy, the foreshadowing of this, this passage. Look at how Jesus reaffirms this thought in John 10. Look at what he says. He says, I am the good shepherd. David's right. The good shepherd leads and lays down his life for his sheep. It's been said for centuries that a shepherd, after he purchased his flock, he would take a knife and he would mark the brand and the, the ear of every lamb such that even from a distance, he would know who his sheep were and then his sheep in turn would know him. You know, for the Christian, that translates, right? We carry that mark, not, not in your ear, but what is it? What's the mark? It's our baptism, right? In our baptism, God says, this one's mine. He declares to the world as you go under the water, this one belongs to me. In fact, look again at this. Look at this in John 10, 27. He says, no one takes my flock. My sheep hear my voice. I know them and they follow. You see how tight that relationship is? 
which then begs the question, right? That being what voices influence our day? And a world full of distractions, of, of fear-mongering, of anxious rhetoric, of demanding voices, what voice is it that we follow? See, because if we're sheep, it's, it's kind of a humble picture to think about, right? Sheep are prone to wander. Sheep are stubborn. Sheep without their shepherd are vulnerable. And the fact is, it's easy to be a sheep on Sunday morning. As long as we have God's word open, right? We, we hear him speak right now. It's, it's easy with all the other sheep gathered up in the pen to listen for the shepherd of our lives. The challenge comes when sunup on Monday morning hits and the gate opens and the fields are back in view. We are inundated with a buffet of all sorts of shepherds. I read a quote a few weeks ago that stuck with me. In fact, I would say it's, it's seared in me. It says this, today's church is more discipled and influenced by CNN and Fox News than they are the word of God. Do you agree? Some spouses are looking at the other one like, that's you. The Lord is my shepherd, David said. Every voice we hear is leading us somewhere. So let's parse it out. What voice in your life gets the most airtime? Whose word is it that guides your thought life? If you were to take a pen and a paper and begin to log out a word map, what is it that goes into your mind in any given day? And how do those words align with the shepherd's voice? See, the hard truth is, the Lord cannot be your shepherd if you don't acknowledge yourself to be his flock. And for David, this was easy. Here's what I want us to see next. This is second. For David, that meant the shepherd was everything. Look again at this verse. He says, the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. That means that he says, I have everything I need. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. I mean, how amazing is it that, that we serve this God who doesn't just leave us to, to fend for ourselves, but who like a shepherd has promised to be with us. Right here, we get, we get three images, I think, of the benefits of what it means to belong to the good shepherd. We get green pastures. It means we have God's provision, right? That's where the sheep eat. We get still waters. That's, that's peace and God's protection. We get restoration of the soul, eternity. If you've ever been to the Holy Land before, you might note just how abnormal this passage really is. If I were to read these verses, like standing out on a hillside in Galilee or on the outskirts of Jerusalem, those words would almost feel like a mirage. You know, the land of Israel is not known for lush green pastures and abundant water, right? For, from the hillsides, for most of what you would see is arid, dry rocks that would go for miles. But David makes this radical profession. He says, when the sheep hear the shepherd, when they follow the shepherd, he gives them everything they need. I shall not want. They're made to lie down in green grass. They're led beside still waters. They find restoration. Think about what needs to happen for the sheep to lay down and rest in a pasture. Keller lays this out again. Just consider what David is saying here, right? As long as there is a threat, the sheep's not laying down. You with me? How many times have you driven by a field and how often are all the sheep just hanging out, chilling? Like most of the time, they're standing up because they're an anxious breed. They know the predators that could take them. Wolves, bears, lions, tigers, bears, coyotes. 
Most of the food chain is a threat to the sheep. David says, the shepherd makes them lie down. Now, if, you, if you're a dog owner, then maybe you have in, in, in your mind like a leash, right? And you go, sit, sit. That's not the picture though. The picture is there is something about the shepherd, right? There's something about this, this man walking in the field with his sheep that causes them to feel comfortable enough in their lives to rest. Just consider this, this psalm, right? The contrast. Put yourself in David's shoes for a minute. You are walking through the valley of the shadow of death. We'll get into that in a few weeks, but it's not a happy place. You are in the midst of your enemies, David says. You fear no evil, though you know it's right before you. Hmm. See this. The, the sheep, the sheep that is David, he feels threats from every angle. He says, but despite all of it, the shepherd makes me lie down. The shepherd leads me beside still waters. The shepherd brings me restoration. See, I feel like maybe that's why we love this psalm so much, right? Everyone can relate to the, the fear of the unknown, the, the concern of tomorrow, the, the, the anxiety of what's next. And yet for David, this is really simple. He says, when I'm with the shepherd, it's all good. I was reading a book a few weeks ago called Unjoy. It just ended up in my inbox here at church. It's written by a, a Christian doctor up in Helena who specializes in mental health. Actually, he's done incredible work in Montana and throughout our nation and many boards. And he talks many times over about the power of what happens when we replace the negative, depressed, anxious thoughts in our mind and we replace it with a message of hope and truth from God's word. He said science has proven that practicing that one habit improves our mental well-being. So because of like the sheep, all we see and hear are the threat ahead. Of course you're not going to find rest. But if you replace that lie, truth, and you remember that Jesus is with you, that he's never left you, that he's for you, that he'll protect you and watch over you, there's your Sabbath. See, the idea of a shepherd providing for his sheep was anything but original. It wasn't David's idea. If you turn back to Genesis 49, 24, you find Jacob who's lived quite a similar challenging trials of life. This man filled with with anxiety, he names the Lord his shepherd. Isaiah 40, 11, the prophet writes this. He says, the Lord will feed his flock like a shepherd. He will gather their lamb, his lambs in his arm. The idea of God as provider and protector, particularly when, when life feels against you, right? That's a staple of our faith. Just turn to Deuteronomy 2.7 if you have your Bibles with you. Otherwise, we'll put it up on the screen. But Moses is talking to the Israelites in the midst of these desert wanderings, right? 40 years stuck in the wilderness. Look at what he spoke. For the Lord your God has blessed you in all the work of his hands. He knows you're going through this great wilderness. But these 40 years, the Lord your God has been what? With you. You have lacked nothing. I shall not want. When you have the shepherd in your life, you, you realize you've got everything you need. But here's the converse of that. When, when you remove the shepherd, you find yourself in a completely different kind of field. Right? In this desperate search to find rest, what happens? Without the shepherd, you begin to live life now constantly in want. 
You have this vain desire that, that comes. You're trying to fill this hole that you know can't be filled. So we look for it with more money, more toys, more food, more distractions, more power, more money, more sex, more prestige. Because deep down, we all have this thirst that we know cannot be quenched on our own. When you remove the shepherd from your life, instead of rest, you, you end up weary. Because in this life comes trials and tribulation. And then you, you begin to believe this lie that you're in control. But then things spin out of control. And you realize, I'm not qualified for that job. It's the shepherd who leads the sheep to green grass. It's the shepherd who brings them back to still water. It's the shepherd who causes them to lie down. John 7, Jesus reinforces prayer word. He said, let anyone who thirsts come to me. Here's what I realized this summer. I think after seven weeks away, I, I think I realized this. I think I realized as a father, as a husband, as, as your pastor, if I don't find time first thing in the morning to be with the Lord every day in the stillness and quiet moments before everything gets kicked off, my day is probably not gonna afford another one. You feel that way about yours? See, this rest is not something, I'm convinced it's not something we just hope for. It's also something we've got a plan for. That in the chaos and the, the pace of this world, the good, good shepherd, he invites us to something far more fruitful. Like a shepherd leading his flock. He says, here's my invitation for you to follow a different rhythm as I lead you to green pastures, to still waters. And David says, with that comes the restoration of your soul. That's our third point I want us to look at. If you've heard nothing else from me, hear this. There is not a shepherd on this planet who will provide you rest like Jesus can. There's not another voice who can lead you to that place of Sabbath and your soul. Danny Goki years ago wrote a song called Tell Your Heart to Beat Again. And the story of this song um, how it came about was there's a pastor in Ohio who had befriended a heart surgeon in his church. The pastor was kind of crazy. And he wanted to see this open heart surgery take place. And somehow he convinced this surgeon to let him in the room. And he watched from beginning to end as they cut this patient's chest cavity open. And after some time, they got the valve repaired, good to go. But as they did the procedure to restart the heart, it wouldn't go. Goki tells a story that they had done just about everything they knew to do in the room. They were trying all these different things, medical procedures. And finally, the doctor gets down on his knee and, and he whispers in the patient's ears. He said, Miss Johnson, this is your doctor. We've repaired your heart. There's nothing wrong with your heart anymore. Tell your heart to beat again. See, the good news is that in Christ, we have this rest, right? We have this, this restoration that no one else can offer. And like, like a shepherd, he has come for his lost sheep. He said, no one's taken them from me. He's brought us into the fold. He's washed us clean. He's repaired us in our sin. He's restored us, made us new, and then called us to follow. And yet so often we hear all the voices around us and within us tell us a different story. So easily we find ourselves wandering on a, a different way. And instead of resting and laying down in green pastures, drinking from his still waters, we think, now I gotta get something more. Now when David wrote this psalm, he said, I shall not want. He restores souls. 
He's the one who by his death and resurrection now calls us to belong to him. In Hebrew, that word restoration, it means to bring to repentance, to return. He restores my brokenness. Think of all David had been through. He repairs my sinful path, David says. He creates in me a clean heart again. I love how Spurgeon said it. He said, you don't put a sheep in green pastures with a dark soul. You put a sheep in green pastures with a restored soul. So tomorrow morning when we wake up and the burden of this life piles on and it will, the voices begin to lead us down all different valleys and roads. You find yourself in that place where you're wondering, is this shadows or light? Let me invite you to let God speak to your heart again. Jesus said, come to me, all of you who are weary and burdened, I will give you rest. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. Why? So that this week we'll walk back out those doors and be led in his paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Pray with me. God, we like sheep uh, are so prone to wander. God, it's such an interesting image that we could play with all week in our minds. And we can look out over this valley and see fields upon fields and dream of all the, the different places we could go. God, we know that if we, if we go on our own, if we leave you behind, if we go without the shepherd, we become lost in danger. We become lost in our own sorrow and our own break, brokenness. We become wayward. So Savior, like a shepherd, would you lead us? Like a shepherd, would you guide us, protect us, watch over us, restore us, discipline us? God, that we might follow you all the days of our life. Lord, we thank you for this word. We pray that it would speak to us this week. God, keep us mindful not only of who we are, but of whose we are in you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.